Welcome to the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I'm your host, Khalith Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories, and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. Good morning and happy election day, everyone. Hopefully everyone took care of their uh, civic duty today. And I have a fantastic guest for today's podcast, Mark Casper. First of all, welcome to the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I'm John Farrell, your host, the Chief Operating Officer of the Air Force Aid Society. In a moment, we'll go through a number of questions, and I think you're going to learn a lot of valuable information from a gentleman who's truly supporting veterans, which is obviously near and dear to our heart. Let me tell you a little bit about Mark before we proceed. He's the president and CEO of Tech for Troops, and he's been doing that since 2016. The intent of his organization is to take donations and turn that into training, education, technology for veterans and families in need. They're dedicated to empowering veterans with skills, computers, and IT workforce training. And he does this through providing veterans and children of veterans with free refurbished computers and opportunities partnered through his company that provides training and networking experiences. What's great is more and more large corporations, instead of just throwing the computers to the side, are donating it to him, and he's able to refurbish them. And he has the highest standards, because as you can imagine, especially government computers, that are turned over, he needs to wipe that clean and ensure that there's no issues in regards to security. So he's been certified by them that allows him to do that with the highest U.S. Department of Defense standards. He hires veterans in all areas of business and provides computer skills training. Prior to Mark starting his company, he was a manager for Federal Street Consulting. They were founded back in 2013, and their main mission was providing consulting services to federal state agencies, educational institutions, and commercial business. He's also worked in things such as project management for Capital One there in Richmond, program man- analysts for uh, other companies, and also Northrop Grumman in Capital One. His volunteer efforts include what we call the Liberation Family Services Organization. They're also known as LFS, and they provide transitional rapid rehousing assistance to single adult males. They're currently focusing on veterans, and the primary goal is permanent housing and self-sufficiency. Right now, they have up to 38 individuals. Probably the best thing that can be said is a quote from the president of Winville Group who says this, Mark is an inspirational leader to both veterans and the community. Over the last several years, watching firsthand the transformation of tech for troops under Mark's leadership is nothing less than miraculous. Wow, you just can't get much better than that, Mark. So we'll go ahead and at the end, I will publish all the social media links so that you can review that. But first, Mark, welcome to the show. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine, John. Thanks for having me. I really do appreciate this. I think we're going to have a good time. Absolutely. We're uh, looking forward to hearing your background. So obviously, I kind of gave the short commercial on your life, but tell us a little bit about your background and your career journey, your educational journey and things along that nature. Sure. So I grew up in Texas and joined the Marine Corps in 1982, but late entry, it was Valentine's Day 1983 that I actually stood on the yellow footprints, which of course did not make my then existing girlfriend happy that I missed Valentine's Day with her. (laughs) 
So that being said, it was I had a good three months of, of boot camp and enjoyed myself. Honestly, it was probably the best part of the Marine Corps because of the structure and the discipline, everything that we had to be instilled with. And then, of course, I did my four years in the Marine Corps, met my wife in 1984. We got married in 1985 and we're still together. So 37 years later, she's my soulmate, my inspiration, actually. And then, as most vets, I thought I was going to get out back then in 87. No internet, y'all. Just There was no such thing as a cell phone. I thought I had the tiger by the tail. The world was going to beat feet to my house and I'm going to have a job and I'm going to be private jets and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, reality hit. And that was the start of my journey of, of going to school because I needed it. And then into the corporate world, started with Capital One as a project manager. From then on, I've just been progressing up. And then now I'm at Tech for Troops, which is 25 years later after I graduated college in 1997. So what did you do while you were in the Marine Corps? And what part of Texas did you grow up? So I grew up in San Antonio, but my parents saw fit to move us to a little teeny tiny dry county called Lufkin, Texas. That was, that was the name of the city. I forgot the name of the county, but it was dry. So you had to drive 25 minutes to get to a drink. Of course, it was soda. It wasn't alcohol because I was too young then. Of course not. Of course not. And then when I joined the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps saw fit. I wanted to be in avionics and work on airplanes. The Marine Corps saw fit to turn me into a Hawk missile technician, which if you know what Hawk missiles are, yeah, they were... My computer was seven foot long, seven <laughs> foot tall, and three foot deep yes. with the ticker tape on it with little flashing lights telling us when something was wrong. That's how far back I go when I go to electronics. That's great. And you know, I shared earlier, we have a guest on the phone, Chris Rogers, who's our chief of staff. She lives in San Antonio currently. And you know, what's surprising is, is it's funny, growing up in that city there, one time you may remember, it was the only city in America who had four active Air Force bases, Brooks, Lackland, Randolph, and Kelly. Yep. Oh, I grew up right outside of Randolph. I'm surprised you didn't go Air Force, but we will forgive you for being lame. That's okay. We appreciate your service. Thank you again. I was heavily indoctrinated on Saturday afternoon by John Wayne movies. There you go. So taking all your experience in education and trials and tribulations of life, what's your definition of success for a veteran who's leaving the service? What are some of the expectations or the things that they should be aware of? Wow, that's a great question. I think success for somebody who's actively transitioning out is to be able to support their family if they're married and their kids without falling into or becoming impoverished. And I say that because the clientele that I work with, almost every one of them were impoverished. And when we all got out of the military, we had that eye, like my mentality was tiger by the tail. I was going to make it. It's going to be, I think all of us have that. But if you don't plan a year plus before you get out, then there's a greater chance of you not being successful in life because you didn't look out into the world and figure out, this is not the direction I want to go in, i.e. get out with, say, a month's worth of rent in the bank. You need six months in the, of rent in the bank. You need a year in the bank, whatever that is for wherever you're going. And then, honestly, use SkillBridge if you can, if you're allowed to, to get that job, to get that internship, to get that apprenticeship, so you can actually get into a good job when you get out. So to me, success is being able to support yourself and your family. And the other part is that you don't become depressed and what I call the stupid, right? That you actually 
fall into that place where I can't support my family, so nobody loves me or I don't love them or whatever that is, and they commit suicide. That's the worst in the world to me because you're hurt more than just yourself. Absolutely. Well said, sir. No doubt about it. I will say that the military in general has done a heck of a lot better job with transition assistance. I mean, I think back to I hung up a uniform 18 years ago and it's changed dramatically in the services and the internships and some of the things that are available for them now. So I think we prepare, but I think you said it well when you said you just can't wing it. I know too many people who wing it and you have to be planning. So that's an important part. Let's talk about your organization. So what Tell me a little bit about the Foundation for Tech for Troops and how it came to development. Sure. So in 2014, the founder and her son had a Marine living on the couch. He got back from Afghanistan and didn't have a place to stay, didn't have a computer. So he didn't have a way of getting a job. I mean, in today's world, you have to have a computer to apply for a job. Very few places accept paper resumes, right? You could walk into McDonald's and probably do that, but that's not what we want our veterans to do. So he didn't have a computer. The son went to mom and said, hey, let's get him a computer. And that literally was the genesis for Tech for Troops. Started on the kitchen table, went to the garage, went to a storage shed, and then came into this building where I'm in now. And when I came aboard in December of 2015, we had 750 square feet. So that was literally how Tech for Troops started was that idea of, hey, somebody needs a computer, let's help them out. Fantastic. So who's eligible to use your services? Anyone who's a veteran. So there are different ways that we support veterans. When they come into my training facility, which is right here beside me, I see 24, they get to take a computer home for free. And what that means is they have to spend the time to learn how to use it, to understand what it means, what a computer is. It's a tool, right? It makes sense. For those of us who use computers, we understand that a computer is a tool. But I actually was very humbled about four months ago. I was at a training facility down in Williamsburg, Virginia, about an hour away. And I had a world, not a world war, a Korea war vet, excuse me. His name was Lewis. And I always started with computers open, right? Made sense because just pop up for everybody and get started. And I got back to my desk where I'm sitting and the phone rang and I'm like, yeah, Lewis, what's going on? He's like, how do you open it up? So we literally start at that bottom level I mean, I've been doing this for years, and it never occurred to me that somebody might not know that. So I know that I've had vets who come in who don't know how to turn it on. They don't know where the power button is. We teach that. We teach personal cybersecurity. We teach a little bit of financial management, but not much because we're not financial planners. We're not counselors. But it's more along the lines of if you have a day job and you get $100, don't go to the check cashing place. Go to a bank and get a bank account so you keep that $35 at 35% that they're going to take from you to cash your check. So we do stuff like that. And then when the vets get a computer from us, whether it's here in Richmond or in Texas or in Northern Virginia, it doesn't really make a difference. They have a warranty for life. So that's their life, not the computer's life. And we just had a vet come in. He got a computer about six years ago. He's like, it's not working. It's getting really slow. And so we swapped it out, got him a new one, set him up and sent him on his way. Because the only way we're going to elevate our brothers and sisters is through that support, that mechanism of support. That's so admirable. What a great thing. But I would assume, honestly, in today's world, or maybe I'm being naive, Mark, that the gentlemen, the Lewises of the world, they're the anomaly. They're the exception, right? Because most of us have grown up with computers. So are you finding... Is there a certain age? Are you talking an older veteran? I think of my mom and dad who may not have understood computers. Or what's the clientele? We run the gamut. Now it's Korea War. A lot of Vietnam vets. Our age group from the 80s 
who didn't grow up with the computer. But as well, we're finding that the Iraq-Afghanistan vets come in. So the pandemic, bad thing happened, of course, but a good thing that it showed was that digital divide amongst many, many people, students, veterans, et cetera, seniors. But I liken it to if somebody like myself grows up in Olufkin, Texas, my parents are poor, and I don't have a computer to go up with in today's world. And I don't have a computer in the house, but I joined the military, I joined the Marine Corps, and I carry an M16. I don't have use for a computer in any part of my life whatsoever. I'll have a phone. I can do a phone. But what makes a resume on a phone? Very few people. So when you get out, if you don't have that skill set of just pounding on a computer, learning how to use a keyboard, you're not going to know how to make caps. You're not going to know how to underline, you're not how to italicize. So many other things that you can do on a computer, right, besides just Word. And that's really what it is. We have younger vets coming in, 28, 29, 35 years old, who have no idea that you can't break a computer by pressing a button. Wow, that's a rude awakening. And thank you for sharing that. You know, I live in a white collar world, so I'm, I'm just so used to it. But that is fantastic. So You kind of inferred a little bit of this, but what challenges do you face making your organization's main goal a reality? Wow, that's actually a fantastic question. There's two parts to that question, two answers, I should say. The first one is finding the vets actually want to elevate themselves. It's pretty sad, and it's sad in my mind. I've given vets computers here in Richmond, and I'm sure around the country as well, where they take it. As soon as they get it, they pawn it off, and they get their 20 bucks, and they go buy cigarettes and beer, and they're done, right? When that happens, and I know it does, if somebody calls me up and says, hey, my computer was stolen, first words out of my mouth for sentence is, I need a police report, or you don't get another one, because that's what happens. But the other part of that is having veterans be in need veterans. So we see the guys on the street corner with the signs, right? And I've helped those, some of those guys out. Some of them are fake, but I've helped those guys out. In need veterans are not, they're not sexy, right? So finding the financial support, the corporate support, yes, we support veterans, but what they want is that veteran who's going to come out and take that corporate job or help them find uh, fill that corporate spot for them. Not the guy who is struggling to make ends meet and support his family and get that next level job, right? So they may be at a 7-Eleven, there might be construction, whatever that is. And to get to that next level because they don't want to do that the rest of their life. Corporations don't see that middle and beginning and middle area. And when you don't see that, it's harder support. We're very blessed that we get support from a lot of corporations, but I also need their equipment. So without a computer, I can't do my job. I also need the financial support to do my job. So it goes both ways. I need to have the support and have the veterans coming in, but I also need to be able to get the computer equipment and do the same thing. So that's a great segue into that what I call the helping a referral agency. So I assume you work with local partners, government agencies. What do they do and help you for better opportunity for vets? Oh, so American Legion, VFWs, Wounded Warrior, and a few others, they send vets our way. And what that means to me is that my classroom's filled. I'm giving out computers that create success, that create success for them. It creates that rising tide lifts all boats success for everybody who comes in. When it comes to corporations, and it always is this way, success begets success. And as the Altrias and the Carmax and the uh, Baker Hughes and the others come in and they're like, hey, we want to support you with volunteerism, with equipment and with money, others see that and say, well, Mark and Tech for Troops are doing something right. So how can we help them with that? And that literally is the growth. It's organic growth for us, for our support and our success. I'm glad to hear you mentioned one of those organizations I work for, Altria, for three years. And although I'm not crazy about their product, I'm glad that they're out there helping and helping 
questions, which is fantastic. I'm I'm great for that. Absolutely. So let's change gears a little bit and talk more from the medical arena. So when it comes to access to medical care and rehabilitation, what kind of services do you offer? So we're not a medical place, but what I do offer is computers with a camera, right? If you don't have a camera, you can't telehealth. And during COVID, we saw actually it's still going on. So many people just did not go into the doctor, right? They were afraid, they were denied, whatever that issue was, a reason they didn't get in. But if they had telehealth, they could have gotten support and gotten medicines and diagnosis, whatever that is for them. So every computer that goes out the door for us has to have a camera, a working video camera for a veteran and the families. Good. Now the coursework that you do, you said you have chairs for 24 people. So when a vet comes in, are you teaching what I'll call computer skills 101? What are you covering with them when they come in? Same thing. Yeah, absolutely. We call it basic computer literacy skills. So we teach them how to use it and open it. We actually are starting our, not starting, wrong word. We're about to grand open our learning management system. So we were about to come out with it as 5,000 classes for vets to be able to take for free. So even if you don't get a computer for us and you're a vet, you prove yourself who you are with us, DD214, VA card, something along those lines, you'll get access into this system to take classes, certification classes. So if you log in, we're going to have a basic computer literacy classes, intermediate computer classes, and then expert or advanced. And I liken it to an an analogy of if you're a basic computer user, you can be dropped in a pool and you can get to the side. If you're an intermediate user, we'll drop you in a lake and you can get to the shore probably, right? You might struggle a little bit because there's a lot more to look at. But once you're dropped in the middle of the ocean, that advanced level, you dang well better know which direction you're going in or you're not going to survive. So we're trying to make it so everybody who logs in doesn't have to be basic because that literally is basic computer literacy. But you start out in the intermediate level, some financial management, Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, and get you to that intermediate to advanced level. And then you can go into the advanced courses where there's tuberculosis and Python coding and golly, you name it, it's in there. So we were ready to open it in September, but then I realized, how am I going to keep my vets who are basic users from drowning in the advanced? Because everybody's going to say, I'm advanced, and then not know what to do after that, right? So, I mean, that's what we offer our vets when it comes to computers and education. Fantastic. And I know you kind of said you helped uh, homelessness folks on the corner. So, what other work do you do with homeless or housing issues? Do you do anything associated with that as a primary suited towards bringing them in, having them learn the skills and go from there? So we do. We bring them in and teach them the skills. What we do is we help other veteran service organizations, nonprofits that support them, whether it's housing, whether it's medical. It doesn't really make a difference. If you're a VSO, we'll support you in one way or another. If you're looking for computers or you want referrals or whatever it is you're looking for, we support you with that. So we've given away computer labs to the VA. We have one at McGuire down here in Richmond by the VA hospital. We have one up at um, Jablocki in Milwaukee, given computer labs to schools, as well as Redbud, Lakota Sioux, Indian tribe. I mean, it's just, if you need help, we're here to support you. That's fantastic. So, so where do you think the retraining of veterans have fallen short in the past? What can we do more of, or what do we need to do more of? Oh, man, that's a great question. No one's ever asked that one. What can we do more of? Mentorship and support. So once they leave my class, they have the opportunity to come in as much as they want, right? So we've had vets come back in three, four, five times to get 
additional training on a computer because they're not sure how to use it. What's an F11 key? That type of thing. And then we'll also train them or help them with Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. But that's not, we don't have time to just sit and do that for them. So we'll get them started and we'll point them at classes. Soon I'll have my own classes to give them, but at this time we don't. So I think if we take each active duty transitioning, each veteran, we take them by the hand and say, hey, here's a place where you can go to talk to people about what's going on, to engage with and network. People don't understand that networking is key because if you don't network, you're always going to have that same circle of friends or family, and that's as far as you're going to get. Whether you network at your church, whether you go to networking classes or places that network, we have Synapse here in town. It's a nonprofit networking opportunity, or you go to a BNI, a business networking, or whatever those is, and you join in and you start meeting people and understanding. This is what it's about. It's having conversations and understanding and listening, not just existing. That's, I think, our biggest failure is not mentoring and support. Yeah, there's a lot to be said. I believe in networking, but I like the word connecting better. But you got to network before you get to connection. And I think that's just so important in today's world. I, I always joke and say I wouldn't have hired John Farrell either with this February 1st, 2005 resume because you don't know what you don't know until you experience it, right? So a lot of folks... Uh, God bless them. The TAP, they do great job. Don't get me wrong. But many of them are civil servants and they haven't worked in the corporate world. And it's a little bit different doing a military resume in the federal sector compared to outside the gate, right? So totally agree. do you do any work with that? I know you talked a little bit about the computer aspect, but do you actually help them with the resumes as well? We do. I'm known in Richmond to the veteran community when, and, and this is Having seen resumes, so I, I hired a Marine the other uh, a couple of years ago before COVID, and he had in his resume. And the reason why I hired him is because his resume was so bad, and it literally was so bad that we all hated our teachers doing red lines on our papers. I don't think they do that anymore, but I was doing that right, and I was literally just like line by line, nope, 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 nope. Oh my God, no. So he had stuff in there like led men into combat, was proficient on a saw. And I'm just like, you're never getting a job, dude. So I brought him in and I taught him how to like, here's customer service. Here's how you talk to people. Here's how you do all this. Yeah, he's he's surviving now. He's thriving. But yes, resume I do. And I use a red pen and I bring him in and I talk to him and I say, listen, you're not who you think you are when you put this down. Nobody wants to know that you led men into combat. Nobody does, right? Because they're afraid of you at that point. PTSD aside, they're afraid of you. So always make it a mid-level management type of opportunity. If you're a sergeant, you're leading men into combat. Mid-level manager led men into whatever you want to call it. But yeah, we do help with resumes. I'm I'm so happy to hear that. I do a lot of mentoring with uh, folks that hang up the uniform. And, you know, I was an HR guy for 16 years before I became a COO. And what I tell them is what we think is important in the military, not so much. And it's really a difference when I compare a Marine compared to an Airman. Marines, I sometimes... I snicker, but I get a kick out. I'll look at their resume and they'll say things like the number one fitness program on post. Da, 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 da. And I say, you know what? We're fat out here. We don't care about that. <laughs> don't get me wrong. That's important. Yeah. And I, we all should strive for fitness, but they want to know what can you do to increase the bottom line? What can you bring to the table and stuff? And what I find is the transition, especially with my chief brethren, my E9 brethren, I jokingly tell them they go from being a hero to a zero overnight in the eyes of the civilian population. Some of them really struggle with it because their whole sense and identity is wound around that uniform. So I'm sure you have to do considerable 
mentoring and adjustments to, okay, that was important, but here's how you can bring it to the corporate setting. We do. And actually, one of the good things, I don't remember if I've mentioned it here in the last couple of minutes, is we hire vets. I know I, the one about the marina hire, but also we hire in vets, homeless vets, poverty level vets, and the idea is to train them up and get them a career. So yeah, we do do everything that you're talking about because some of the guys coming in, they have that chip on their shoulder or they haven't figured out who they are yet. And when you don't know who you are or what you want to do in life, everybody wants the six-figure job. There's not a person out there, oh, I deserve $150,000 a year. You don't deserve jack squat because you got to prove yourself first. And that's where I come from when I hire in vets is I'm very upfront with them. I don't sugarcoat much, right? So there are things they can know and things they shouldn't know. But then there's other things that I definitely like. I'm on top of it and I'm saying, here's what you got to be. If you're meeting a customer outside, you had better be nice, right? Because they may have not been in that place. So hiring my vets is a good deal because it teaches my civilians about the veteran world. But at the same time, it teaches my veterans about the civilian world. Absolutely. So that's perfect into this portion here. So if you're going to advise or mentor a veteran, what type of purchases or opportunities do you think veterans should be looking as far as assisting them in their transition to the corporate setting? Is there anything that you say, well, you probably should go buy this or you should probably go do that? What would you tell a veteran in that capacity? I would. So if they're in Richmond, there's two things. If they're out, and I know there's other organizations do that. One is called Booster Suits here in town. I work with Sue very, very well. And they'll give you, give an active duty transitioning or a veteran three suits, three quality suits, not just junk and really good stuff. But make sure before you get out that you have at least a couple of suits, a couple of sports jackets, couple of ties, and don't go out and spend $170 on a tie. Go out and get something good mid-grade that you're going to be able to wear, a couple of collared shirts to be able to wear, and then good shoes. And keep the shoes shined. You may have hated shining shoes when you were in, but keep the shoes shined. And then, of course, nice socks. But the whole kit, you have to have that when you're going in for an interview. If you're going for a networking event, you got to have that. So that would be the first thing I'd tell them to buy. And do that before you get out so you know you have the money that's already in your closet waiting to go. And then do not go in looking like a dirt bag, shirt untucked and just all sort of creasy and stuff. Make sure you spend $1.79 to get it dry cleaned. Jacket, pants, and shirt, right? Because nothing says more than first impressions, y'all. So that would be the first thing. The second thing I would do was... I don't know. What would be the second? I don't know. What would you tell somebody as they're getting out? I'd go with the suit and potentially look in for an education, but you're not buying education because it's a GI Bill. Yeah. And I think you mentioned some of it, using that network or the system that's out there that can assist you. I, I will tell you, honestly, I've had four jobs since I hung up the uniform and all four instances, all four, I got the job because I knew someone. Oh, yeah. 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 And you said it well. In today's world, we have these applicant tracking systems. And I think of my time with Altria where all those jobs were 100K or higher. And folks would come in some instances, 1,500 people would post that job. And I would tell them, I affectionately refer to it as the lottery machine. I'd go to the hiring manager, I'd say, give me 10 to 15 key words. I'm gonna put that in the lottery machine. And out of those 1,500, only 50 are gonna get kicked out for them to look at. So 1,450 are in the black hole. So you better know how to distinguish yourself amongst that. So yeah, I think it's important, some of the things you mentioned there too. So what are some barriers that you see stopping veterans from becoming members of the digital world in the workplace? Lack of skills. The older vets, 
they can use a smartphone, but they're not versant on a smartphone. And then, of course, computers is the same thing. And then, honestly, the other skill that I would just, if there was a way to have and tap, so when they're getting at the transition program, if there was a way to have a speaking class, how do you speak in front of people? How do you shake their hands? How do you look them in the eye when you're meeting them? How do you do that? How do you sit? So it's all in soft skills is what we call it, right? In in the civilian world now. But I get enough in to where they're sitting cross-legged when they're sort of slumped over and they're doing all that. And I'm going to hire this girl. But I had one come in not long ago and she's like sitting and she's arms crossed and her legs are crossed and she's leaning way back. And when I hire her, I'm going to bring her in and say, this is not how you do it. So when you go to your next job, I'm actually trying to place you in a corporate role where you do want to make your six figures, right? You might not start out at six but you're going to get there because you're going to learn some skill sets to be able to do that. So if there was a way to teach these guys and gals how to talk and soft skills, and that's in an interview and at a dinner and at, right? So just go through life with that. Sure. And I think you made some great points there. My brother, he worked in the corporate setting and I jokingly remember this like yesterday, 18 plus years ago, he goes, you Air Force geeks, when you leave the Air Force, I know what you're going to do. I'm going to take you right now out to go to men's warehouse and some of these other places because you're not going to wear that stupid silly boat. You're not going to wear the shiny sh- shoes. <laughs> you're not going to go in there like a geek when you... <laughs> so sometimes it, it's, again, it goes back to you don't know what you don't know until you experience it. So that's kind of exactly. that you're doing that. So this one, I think this is an important one. What can friends and family members do to help ease the transition of their loved ones? What recommendations do you have for family and friends? That's a great question. So when I got out, my parents offered to have my wife and I move in with them into Lufkin, Texas, which was not happening because I wasn't moving back to Lufkin. And I wasn't going to Texas because the oil bus had just hit. So that was just like, I'm not going to become a 7-Eleven clerk is really what it came down to. I think the best thing the parents and the siblings and the friends that are in that area, if you're moving back, can do is stay in touch, offer support, do meals, right? And not like you have to give and give and give, but just stay in touch because as that veteran, as that person transitions, becomes more civilian, there's two things that's going to happen. One is they're going to find their place in life and hopefully find that career and then start elevating themselves. Or two, they're going to go to that place where they become impoverished and they're going to start dropping like a stone. And that's where I believe a lot of the suicide comes from because of that. When the impoverishment happens, the marriage usually starts to disintegrate because they're fighting over money. You spent $5 on this. We don't have $5 and that kind of thing. So stay in touch with them and talk to them and let them know that it's okay, right? We all struggle in life. Every There's not a person out here that doesn't struggle. From the Elon Musk who probably struggled when he was a kid. That's about the only time he ever struggled. But that level on up, right? Just let them know that it's okay to be with them and to ask questions. And if you did go into combat, there is PTSD, there is trauma, that it's okay to ask for help for that too. You don't have to go to the VA. You can go to the local whatever you have in your area and talk. You can just pull, walk into my office and talk. I'm not a combat vet, but I'll listen to you. And I have combat vets here who I can have talk to you. Now, they're not counselors, but when you have somebody else you can talk to who's been through what you've been through, it makes you feel better about yourself that you're not alone. And you're not alone, honestly. You're not alone. Well said. And I assume you do some work with the Veterans Administration. I would say that they've gotten so much better over the years. I had a podcast last week, and I shared this with them. 
I kind of carry guilt personally because my dad was one of those guys who was in the Army and the Air Force, and he ended up getting, because of being a Vietnam Agent Orange and severe Parkinson's, I never had him encouraged him to go to the VA. And he didn't go to the VA until he was 85 years old. Wow. He was able to experience their services for about four and a half years before he passed away, right? Wow. In hindsight, I kicked myself and say, why did you not do what you should have done? So tell me the, the work you do with the Veterans Administration. So we're very close with the Richmond VA. And there are a couple other places across the nation that we've worked with, but not as close because we're here and we're not there. Richmond is a polytrauma unit. So like Martinsburg, West Virginia is for PTSD, Richmond's polytrauma. And we used to have, and this was a long time ago, this is 16, 17. We had an art program where we brought in the vets who were in wheelchair-bound, paralyzed, paraplegics. They made computer, they made art out of computer parts, right? It was a lot of fun. And they'd bring the bus up and they'd get off and they'd do their thing. So we're very intertwined with the VA when it comes to that. We don't do that art program anymore, but we still bring in vets for training, for computers. We still support them when they ask for computers at the hospital. We'll send them down there with them as well. Richmond is a great location for us. Our idea is to branch out to the San Antonio's, right, to the Dallas, to the Denver's, and et cetera, and support more vets with what we do. But absolutely, the VA is critical to our success. I'm so happy to hear that. So we're getting near the end, Mark, and I'll allow you last word. But I always like to ask this last question. So I love a reporter who you'll know his name, who was the CBS Evening News anchor for years, a guy named Dan Rather. And Dan's like one of my favorite interviewers, and he has a show on Access TV where he interviews politicians, entertainers, and, and he always includes the interview with this question. What question should I have asked you that I didn't? Okay, now I've watched him, and now I'm like flummoxed. What question should you have asked me? I'll phrase it this way. What is it that we have not talked about that you really wanted to make sure that our audience knows? Well, I guess it would be a couple of things. One is how to support us. So you can go to our webpage, techfortroops.org, and I know this is going to be posted up there with it. But there's we have what's called Give Back Box, and for $20, you can ship us up to 35 pounds of electronics equipment. So we keep it out of the landfill. And that is huge for us is the e-waste. One of the startling stats that I, I came across a while ago, but it really just like, boom, we throw, we the world, not the United States, throw 40 million tons of computer waste in the landfill every year. That's akin to 800 laptops a minute being thrown in the trash. Crazy. So imagine what Tech for Truth could do with those laptops if you just gave me, what, 24 hours of laptops? Think about that. And that's what I'm asking is for the support that, right? And if your company does matching funds and you're like, hey, I love this guy. I'd love to support him with 25 bucks a month. Do the matching funds so we get 50 instead of 25. But we would love to receive that kind of support as well. I mean, that's key. We can't complete our mission without the funding and without equipment. Fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that. And we'll make sure we spread the word. So I leave last words to you, Mark. Anything else you want our audience to know about before we conclude? Absolutely. So I was at Nellis Air Force Base in 1985 when I was out there for Red Flag and the Air Force. I was in your condemned barracks and it was better than the Marine Corps brand new barracks. So you're right. I probably should have joined the Air Force, but I love my Corps. Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that because whenever I was, especially if I had a joint environment, whenever I was there and I heard some airmen griping about trivial matters, I always used the gunny sergeant who was on our counselor as, I called him the barometer, because when he heard enough trivial Air Force nonsense, his quote was, our idea of quality of life is having a tent with a window in it. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're absolutely yeah, right. Get over it. Yeah. 
Well, I, I want to thank you, and we will make sure, Mark, that we provide all of your social media links, and hopefully we can bring you some money in the door as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Airmen Helping Airmen podcast. I want to thank Mark Casper, Tech for Troops, President and CEO, for being with us. Have a great Air Force and Marine Day. Take care, everybody. Super fine. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen, brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society. To find out more about how we make a difference, visit AFAS.org. And then be sure to search for Airmen Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.